welcome to another Toon Network video and podcast with me, Adam. Uh, the date is the 30th of August. It's the day before transfer deadline day. So we've got quite a lot to get through in terms of income, possible incomings, um, some definite outgoings as well. Um, and we're going to look back at the West Ham game and all the paper talk regarding our manager, Rafa Benitez. First things first, the big news story in the last couple of days has been a Mr. Dwight Gale is potentially up for sale at Newcastle United. It looks like we're going to be looking for about 18 to 20 million for him. Um, it's been reported this morning um, that Fulham have tabled a bid of around 15 million for Dwight Gale. I think Newcastle are probably going to hold out for closer to 20 million. Uh, if you remember, Newcastle's pursuit of Tom Kearney once upon a time, they were slapping 20 million, 25 million pound price figures on there. You'd be, you wouldn't be very surprised if Newcastle uh, played the same game back. I think from the, the situation at the minute is that Dwight Gales told Rafa Benitez he wants to stay and that Rafa Benitez will only sanction a move for him to go if he has a replacement lined up. So the situation is quite weird because in the first couple of games of the season, Dwight Gale, he's, for me, he looked a bit out of his depth. Um, he didn't have a first touch, he couldn't hold the ball up. And I know his game isn't really holding the ball up, it's more playing off the shoulder of the last man and that kind of relies on you know pinpoint passing of someone like John Joe Shelby who obviously hasn't played since the second half of the Spurs game this season but for me he seemed well off the pace and out of just out of sync with the rest of his teammates now I think Louise Taylor from the Guardian <clears throat> seemed, to, seemed to suggest that Rafa Benitez hasn't really been happy with his attitude this summer now I read the article and there didn't seem to be anything concrete to suggest that that was the case I think it's more of the fact that Hosolu's come in made a real impact in his sub-appearance and his start on on Saturday against West Ham. And maybe he's thinking tactically, is Dwight Gale the kind of player that he wants? Hosolu's probably more of an all-rounder, a more complete striker. He is a bit more mobile than Mitrovic, but he has that aerial prowess as well that Gale certainly doesn't have. And even, you know, even in the championship last year, Gale was excellent. Of course, he's, he scored a, a far more many goals than I expected him to. But I saw him get bullied by larger defenders quite a lot. I, I, I particularly remember the Wolves game at St James's, and he was just getting he was just getting bounced around by the back two. And you know, does does Rafa Benitez think that you know for all of Mitrovic's issues with his temperament and that? Elbow was ridiculous, by the way. Really, really stupid. As stupid as the Shelby one. Really let the club down. And it was so unnecessary, like the Shelby one. You know, there seems to be a real discipline issue there. Yet, you know, they both have talent in their own right. But with a three-match ban for Mitrovic, even despite that and his temperament, he scored two in a week. Now, does, he, does Rafa Benitez think... Mitrovic is more of a Premier League option than Gale. He has the strength for the Premier League, and he's netted, you know, two goals in a week. Um, he probably didn't, you know, he's done more than that twenty minutes um, 
on Saturday against West Ham than Gale's probably managed sort of in his first two games as well in the Premier League. So, look, he'd be a great signer for every, any championship team, as we all know, because he his goals helped us win the league. Of course they did. But I wonder, and there's been a few whispers that I've read on social media as well, about this recurring hamstring injury. Now, we remember around Christmas time, January, after the new year, Dwight Gale got that injury and he sort of was never the same since. Yes, he scored goals, but he, he never got a consistent run in the team. I think we kept bringing him back a little too early from, in my own opinion. And he, I remember him coming on, um, coming on in a big game, possibly, was it Leeds maybe or... It was it was it was, a, it was a big game anyway, and he it was his first game back, and he had to he had to go off quite quite shortly after. I think after about half an hour, maybe it was Villa. I don't know. Um, and he had to go off after about uh, after about half an hour because he he it's this recurring hamstring injury. So maybe the club are thinking, is he is he nailed on to get injured again? And for such an important player, if we did sell him, would that raise funds to get somebody? even better on loan perhaps. Now, the Lucas Perez situation seems to be, and the latest that I've read today just now, is that it's, it sounds like he's hell-bent on going back to Spain, which is fair enough. It, 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 that's completely out of our hands. That's, that's, that's a geographical issue. <clears throat> it seems like they're going to loan him and then with an obligation to buy next summer. Now that sounds like the exact deal that we wanted to do because we couldn't fork out the 13 million or so a couple of weeks ago. Um, obviously we don't know what's been going on. If Lucas Perez isn't as tasked as agent with getting him back to Spain, back and, and going to Deportivo, there's very little we can do unless the Deportivo thing completely collapses and we're waiting in the wings. But it's, it's all brinkmanship when it comes to transfer deadline day. Everything's done at the last minute. There'll be a lot of panicking um, over the next sort of 48 hours as well. So that's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens. Possible loan options, if if Perez isn't going to be available, and if, if, if that's kind of him going to Deportivo and that's it, are Divock Origi from Liverpool, the Belgian forward. Now, he's a player I really like, actually. He's a very much a, <clears throat> a complete striker. Um, he has pace. He has strength. And he's a good finisher. He's fallen sort of victim to the fact that Klopp, I think he was signed by Liverpool the year before Klopp arrived. But they signed him sort of a year early. He stayed um, at his parent club um, beyond that. And then he sort of signed for Liverpool shortly afterwards. He's never really been given a, a proper run of the team. And look, Klopp obviously prefers this false nine set up where he has pacey wingers and it's kind of a bit more interchangeable Firmino has been exceptional over the last season and a bit in terms of goals and assists so that's working for him and Origi isn't going to get a look in and he's been bringing Sturridge on, off the bench more recently and Sturridge scored against Arsenal at the weekend as well so you wonder whether that's going to be Sturridge's role if Sturridge hasn't got the fitness to maybe start every game but he can come on and he, you know, he, knows where, he still knows where the goal is Rigi is going to have a lot of competition uh, from clubs on the continent and in the Premier League probably as well. But what they have seemed to say, Liverpool, is that he they want them to go somewhere on loan for the year where he is guaranteed game time. 
He would be absolutely guaranteed game time at Newcastle United. He would be the standout centre-forward, even ahead of Hoselu, despite his impressive start. He's a massive talent. And the same goes for Michu Batshuayi as well from Chelsea. Very similar. I think they're both of excellent finishes. Batshuayi is... They've both got a point to prove as well. And if Lorente goes to Chelsea, for example, then... He, again, his... His options are going to be limited. He's going to be third choice as well at his club. And, you know, this harks back to an article I wrote earlier in the summer where we should be making full use of, you know, reserve players, fringe players from the top six clubs. You know, it looks like Kieran Gibbs is off to West Brom for seven million or something. For me, I think that's a deal that we probably should have been going for. I think he fitted the mould and I think he would have been an excellent signing. He's British um, and he's that's, that's a snip. Uh, for, for for a player who's who's won what he has and and played among some very great players and been coached by one of the best coaches in Premier League history, Arsene Wenger. <clears throat> but yes, I think there could be options. There was talk about some Icelandic guy. To be honest, I, I've been um, I'm giving him the respect to even look up who he is or what he's done. I don't think he's going to be the answer. I think that sounds like agent talk, to be fair, to get a money move. Um, so, Origi and Bakshuayi, either of those on loan, for me would be the dream scenario. I think they're both excellent, complete forwards, and exactly what Rafa Benitez is probably looking for. I think he likes the complete striker. He had the complete, complete striker in Fernando Torres. Obviously, these are to a much lesser extent to Torres at his peak, who is world-class. But for Newcastle United, either of these players would be adored. They would um, get first-team football, guaranteed Premier League football. Um, and I think a signing like that could almost guarantee survival. It's as simple as that. I think they're both excellent, and it would be a huge coup if we could pull that one off. So, But it's Newcastle United. It's transfer deadline day. There's probably a load of people... If by the time you're hearing this or watching this, there's probably a lot of people that have been linked with or already signed, um, such as the fast pace of, of transfer deadline day and the build-up towards the deadline as well, so at the end of the window. So, <clears throat> looking at other incomings, Dennis Pratt, there's been talk of him this week again, obviously, we spoke about it on the last video. Could he be the answer number 10? Possibly. Um... But it seems to be about 16 or 17 million that Sampdoria are looking for. Whether we're prepared to pay that, whether we can afford to pay that, we don't know. I'd like to think that we can afford to pay. It, it, it seems to me that we're looking at a left-back, a goalkeeper, a striker and a, and a number 10. Four players. I don't think we'll get all those four players. Not a chance. Um, we've got, it looks like the Kennedy deal, which would be a loan deal I believe, possibly might be again like the Marino deal, a loan to buy, with an obligation to buy. But it seems that the Kennedy deal is going to hinge on who Chelsea bring in. Now, they obviously had a bit accepted for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain this week. But Oxlade-Chamberlain seems to have been hold, or seems to be holding out for a move to Liverpool, who have yet to bid at time of recording. So it's all a bit complicated. He might have to go to Chelsea if he's got nowhere else to go. I can't imagine he would be able to go back to Arsenal um, having 
wanted the desire to leave. I don't know. It seems to be falling apart a bit at Arsenal. Sanchez going, etc. I don't know. It's um, it's difficult to determine. I think if Oxley Chamberlain definitely goes to Chelsea, which might not be the case now, I think that would that would allow Chelsea to to release Kennedy and let him come to us. Certainly been in the the mix for him. I know Benitez has <clears throat> spoken to Conte directly about Kennedy and his availability. He had um, some uh, racist misdemeanours during the summer, um, which isn't great, of course. Um, so if we were to go for him, I trust Rafa's judgment, but for me, he'll have, he'll have to prove himself a lot that he's, that he's worth that because what we don't want is players, and again, same kind of goes for John Joe Shelby as well. We don't want any players who behave in that way or speaking that way, I think it's okay um, to even suggest jokes or racist overtures. Um, I, I don't like it at all. I don't want it in Newcastle United. It's it, it's not it's not required at the club. It's not um, it's not something that should ever be tolerated. So I hope they've had a sit down with the lad. If we do bring him in, and you know check that everyone's on the right page, and that we can move forward, and then he can learn from his mistakes. So that would be Kennedy who could play, presumably coming in as a left-back, but I know he could be a wing option as well. Um, he would be the... <clears throat> he would provide um, some competition for Paul Dummett, who seems to be out until November now, which is um, a huge shame. But I think it's, in a good way, it's probably escalated the need for a, a first-choice left-back, which we haven't signed probably since Jose Enrique. So... If we don't get Kennedy, then we've been looking at an Argentinian left-back, uh, Talia Fico, um, who's won caps for Argentina. Um, <clears throat> I think he would be available for around four or five million. Again, a bargain price. I couldn't tell you anything about him, but if he's made the national team of Argentina, he, he can't be terrible. There must be something about him. But either way, it will provide steady competition for Paul Dummett. And it will push Paul Dummett to become better and, and stronger and more, you know, a more well-rounded Premier League standard left-back. Which I hope he can become. I don't think he's quite there yet. I'm gutted for his injury. But I think he'll come back stronger. And with the right support and the right tutelage under Rafa Benitez, I think he could get there. And I think it will provide some good balance to have another left-sided player in the squad who can play left-back. So... <clears throat> That seems to be it for, uh, in terms of possible incomings, although there could be so many surprises that that come out of, you know, maybe this afternoon. Time of recording is about 10 past 2 on, uh, on the 30th of August, so anything after now, I didn't know about it, guys. Don't shoot the messenger, right? <laughs> I cannot say in the future. Unfortunately, time is linear. I keep mentioning this. So, outgoings. It's been a good week. We've seen Lazar possibly uh, confirming his departure today. Hanley is, as we speak, I think going through a Norwich City medical, which is fantastic because he's terrible. Sorry, Grant, but he's got the turning uh, circle of a barge. He's got the acceleration of a pebble. He's just, he's just like a, a human honey monster that, you know, he, he just gets megged too easily. Just, he's not. Premier League standard. Why we got him in on such a massive contract, I'll never know. 
and he hardly he hardly played last year anyway. Um, so Hanley's off to Norwich, which is amazing. Riviere is off to Metz, which is unbelievable. Absolute joyous scenes. I couldn't believe. Punched the air with delight. I did when I when I saw that had gone through. Uh, it's not official till he's holding the the Metz scarf. But um, so he's gone. He's definitely gone. Um, Seem De Jong has gone back to Ajax. Real shame, but, but I think, despite his good pre-season, I think he's another one, a bit like Gale, who's probably nailed on, and Aaron's, who's nailed on to get injured at some point uh, this this season. He's had horrific, horrific luck with injuries. I wish him all the best. Technically and intelligently, very good player, but it's his fitness. And the Premier League is unforgiving. It's relentless. It's strong, physical, and it's not made for anyone who's unfortunately held together with parcel tape, which he is, and he's just got horrible luck. And it gets to a point where you've got to chuck sentimentality out the window for the sake of business and for the sake of getting a good football team out there. His wages and his, you know, his squad space could be replaced by somebody who, like a Dennis Pratt, if we have got the, the funds for him, who can come in and and and. and be a more active member of the first team, which I don't think De Jong was ever going to be. So, best of luck. We've got a few million for him as well. He's off the wage bill. Riviere off the wage bill as well. And if you know, we've probably got hundred grand off the wage bill and made about ten million out of those two players who realistically weren't going to weren't going to be playing. I think Lazar's fee is about three point five as well. Hanley <laughs> gives a pack of monster munch for him, mate. Um, <laughs> just just get him out. He was he's probably not on a massive wage. Bill either, but uh, it's just space in the squad, and we need to get shot. I think Mbemba's really proven himself. We'll talk about the West Ham game in a little bit. Um, call back to Hull has been a rumour this week or the last couple of days. Obviously, he was told by Rafa a couple of weeks ago that he will not be needed, uh, surplus to requirements. And the latest today is that Wolves are in talk, or talks with him. Obviously, if you went to Hull, it would almost be a kind of like-for-like -like, uh, replacement for Sam Klukas, who went to Swansea. Um, pretty much look the same, don't they? Is that sort of being a bit gingist? Yep. Unapologetic. So, it looks like Colback's going to be dropping down. I think he'd be a good servant for a championship side. I think for us, he didn't really fit, and I just didn't like his quality. I, I, you know, he gave us all. You can never, you know, never criticise him that or throw that at him, but... For me, nah, um, not the quality that we need. Um, and if it's going to free up space to bring in more quality. See ya, Jack. Um, so that's it in terms of kind of um, outgoings. We've obviously still got Krull, Dollar who could go, Hydara, Henri Save, who he's probably on quite a lot of wages as well. But to be honest, he's probably the most, probably one of the more talented players. And if he's happy to be in the reserves and come in every now and again. When I've seen him play, he seems to have been alright, you know. It must be, a, again, a thing that Rafa just doesn't trust him or doesn't like him. Um, and that's fair enough, really. But if he's if he's got a bit more quality than we've got, say, in the under-23s, then let's keep him around and try and sell him in January, if that's going to be a, a possibility. We'll see. But he's certainly one that, if an offer came in that was right, he'd be gone as well. He'd be out the door. So it's been a weird week, obviously. We... Um, we had a fantastic 
performance against West Ham, 3-0 smashing of them, and it, it looks, you know, by all accounts, we were absolutely worthy of all three goals against them. It, it wasn't a result that flattered us. We controlled. Marino really shining. I know he took some criticism against Huddersfield for him not tracking Moy for his goal, whereas I think Mankio and, 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 and Clark probably could have closed down a bit faster as well. He Marino seems to get, seemed to give up and he got a lot of criticism, probably quite rightly actually, but I saw glimmers in that game of him using his vision, his intelligence, picking a pass, diagonal balls, which we know we've come to mention from, we, we, we've come to be used to from John Joe Shelby. Um, and from that game, he seemed to pick the ball up from Kieran Clark quite a lot, come di coming deep and then spraying the ball about, which is fantastic. Seems to be slotted in right into that Shelby uh, mould, which is why maybe when Shelby comes back, if Rafa's going to tolerate him, not sure we've got much choice now, but I wrote an article about pushing Shelby into number 10, which I keep beating the drum about. That could be an option because Marino is going to be quite difficult to displace after his performance against West Ham. He... Ran the game, he had vision, he intercepted, and he, he just progressed the ball. He, he put us on the front foot, put West Ham on the back foot. Atsu and Ritchie were a nightmare all, all game. And Hosolu, he's come in, and he was really impressive in the, in the last 20 minutes against Huddersfield when we looked like scoring, most likely to start scoring. He got a few shots away on target. And obviously against West Ham, he opened his account, and he was a handful. He's strong, he's mobile still. And he, you know, he knows where the goal is. He, like, he's not frightened to have a shot, and that's the kind of player that we need. Maybe he's a bit too timid. I, I, I don't know what it is, but he, he seemed to be a lot more direct, Hosolu. And I was really impressed by his link-up play as well. The way he brought in our pacey wingers around, so the likes of Perez, Richie, and Atsu, and feeding, feeding them. But the ability to hold the ball up in the final third, which I don't think we get from Gale. We get a bit of it from Mitrovic, in fairness, but to to hold the ball up and allow play to catch up is the how you how you it's how you progress. It's how you make uh, it's how you gain territory, I guess. If you're looking at a kind of American football rugby kind of um, analogies, he was able to do that, and with Marino pushing forward and Hayden alternating, I think the two of them can do a box to box job, where one goes, the other stays. And you know, as, as a partnership, Hayden and Marino for their for their youth and inexperience, look the business. Played them off the park, frustrated them. Um, obviously, we talked about Mitrovic's elbow, which is just ridiculous, really, really stupid. But I thought he he took his goal very well, very composed, um, and his the timing of his run was excellent. The the, the the flick through from Perez, the, the through ball was just, the whole thing was just excellently timed. Um, but as highlighted on match of the day, it was the, is the high pressing. And we've talked about this before on videos and last season in the championship. Rafa wants mobile players up front because he likes to be able to put, apply pressure from at, at the defence, defend from the front basically, don't give them any room. And that worked superbly against West Ham. The constant energy closing down the determination puts them under pressure to kick it long we've got players like Clark who was excellent he really was superb even Mbemba playing at left back had a very very good game you know the, 
the, the fact there's talk of Mbemba leaving and being sold, I always, I've always said it, I really like Mbemba, he's always impressed, impressed me when he plays, so it must be something else um, that Rafa doesn't like about him, but when he's come in, he has performed, and he did perform in a position that isn't his. Um, but that... So I think defensively, we're, we're looking all right, and if we get Kennedy in, then we, we should look solid. When Yedlin comes back... I think Yedlin would be a better option than Mankiw. He's had a bit of a shaky start. I think Mankiw will get there. But I think a couple of the goals... In fact, all three goals that we've conceded in the Premier League I've probably put down to Mankiw. Not solely, but he's definitely been in amongst the reasons why they've their opposition have got a, you know breached our goal. But um, really, really important home win for confidence, for mood, for attracting players in this final... Players won't want to come to us if we've lost the first three games of the season because they're facing a relegation battle. Now we're kind of level on points with Arsenal. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So we've got three points on the board. We're probably never going to likely to win the Spurs game. Maybe a draw at best. So you're looking at, you know, the Huddersfield was probably winnable. I think we'd, four points, I think, should, would have been fair from the opening three games that we've played. Four points. I would have taken four points at the start of the season. And we got three. So that's okay. And that'll help attract players that we're not in the doldrums, that we've that the fans are united, singing loud for Rafa Benitez. And obviously, let's get on to this. So a lot of talk, and it was Pete Graves from Sky that kind of broke the news that West Ham were looking at Rafa Benitez as an option because Bilic's job was under threat. It's since come about that after talks with Golden Sullivan, Bilic is likely to stay on. For the time being, um, so there won't be any managerial changes as of yet. And apparently, before Benitez went to Real Madrid, he'd all but agreed to go to West Ham before Bilic came in. And West Ham, the club, as Pete Graves describes, um, there was a kind of gentleman's agreement, and he feels he let them down. And West Ham were honourable and kind of said no Spanish manager or any any manager for that. Um, for that matter, could ever turn down Real Madrid, you know, just an incredible job opportunity. So he went there. So there's a suggestion that Rafa might f still feel indebted to West Ham. However, I still don't buy this. I, I, I don't buy. I, I, I know that there's obviously conflicts within Newcastle with the board, and I think. It'll be easy to determine mood after the transfer window is shut. Because I think, depending on the quality that we bring in the next couple of days, that could change everything. It really could. But if Rafa feels let down that we haven't brought in the players that we needed to, that might create a situation in October, November maybe, when Bilic, if Bilic goes. You've got to believe he's sort of a dead man walking at the minute with the, the dreaded vote of confidence. And he's still kind of paying his dues from last season as well when they underperformed West Ham. But as Newcastle fans, what we can do is show Rafa Benitez, keep showing him why he should stay. He will not get the passion that Newcastle will United give him. The fans at West Ham will not support him in the way that we do because we went through, we've gone through a lot together with Rafa Benitez. He feels the similarities between it. Newcastle and Liverpool's clubs, the passionate fans, you know, the, the difficult board structures and 
you know, he's he's political, he's a power player, and he's be, the, the reason he would have been saying what he's saying in the last month or so is because he knows that ultimately the end game is to get good players in and get a squad that's capable of com competing in the Premier League that, and that we're not just going to be sinking straight back into the Championship. Because I think we did that. He'd go, he'd walk, and we'd be stuck in an awful position with a, a, a chairman that doesn't want to be here and we'd get a second-rate coach in. We'd get another McLaren in. And that would be awful. The mood would just drop. Rafa Benitez is integral. But... As I said, as long as Rafa's enjoying his job and his football, which I believe with a few signings and continued support from Newcastle, I don't want to see, as I said in my last video, I don't want to see people criticising Rafa Benitez. Don't, that's exactly what Mike Ashley wants you to do. Direct your anger at him. This is all on him. These players that were trying to shift on, on massive wages and big, long, you know, year-long year deals, like multiple-year deals... These are all failed signings from the the Mike Ashley, Graham Carr era. And the two relegations are on Mike Ashley. Lack of investment is on Mike Ashley. If he can't afford to pay to give us 20 million to get a couple of players in that we sorely need, don't be a don't be a chairman. Get out. Sell it to somebody who lower your price to something more feasible and realistic and, and give it to somebody who who'll bloody try for it who will be passionate enough, that wants to invest. We don't want daft sums of money. We don't need them. Rafa Benitez has shown some great manoeuvrability in the transfer market. Lejeune, for example. Atsu. Good players. Under 10 million, you know? So, Marino could be the steal of the season for any club. He looks excellent. And he's a, you know, he's a possible team to build, a player to build your team around. So, yes, let's be cautious about Rafa Benitez to West Ham. But I think for now we're all right. Um, George Colkin wrote in the Times today how Newcastle are in danger of not utilising Rafa Benitez. You know, the power, the power pull, you know, the pull of Rafa Benitez, the draw of him. We're not using that. If we're not backing him financially, we're missing out on players that would, top quality European players who would love to play for Newcastle United because Rafa Benitez is there. So what we need to do is back him. We just need to back him, keep him happy. And I tell you what, that'll, I guarantee that will reflect in positive performances on the pitch as well. Anyway, that's me. It's about half two now on the 30th of August. If any massive signings come in that I haven't seen, I'm sorry, I cannot see in the future. But let's have, a, let's have another video after the transfer deadline day. Let's assess the squad and I'll see if the incoming players that we've brought in are good enough and the squad's good enough as a whole for us to stay up this season. But we'll, we'll, we'll chat about that later. It's the international break. We've got points on the board. Rafa's still in charge. Anything could happen in the next couple of days. I can't wait. Anyway, thanks very much, everybody. I've been Adam. This has been the Team Network. Please subscribe to us on YouTube on iTunes and we're on SoundCloud as well. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. It'd be great to hear from you in comments and share us around if you know anybody else who's a Newcastle fan who thinks that you think would like these videos as well. Anyway, thanks very much. I've been Adam. Bye-bye.